Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, Wyatt is in for Sandy. Greg is here. Debbie's here. Adam's here. Matzik shaved his hair off last hour after growing it for a month. Do the headsets feel different? You look sleek. Uh, well, no, not really, because I didn't have any hair on the top of my head, and that's where the headset actually makes contact <laughs> with my head. Around your ears, though, you had a lot. Uh, a little bit, but I guess you know the ear flaps on the headset yeah. doesn't really come in contact. It looks good. No, I feel like I'm back to normal. Yeah, I, I feel like that, Thank too. you for your support. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> on uh, Mondays, usually, we do who had a good weekend as we look back, but it was a long weekend, but it was still time to look back to uh, see who had a good weekend. I'll go first. So who had a good weekend? UW Women's Volleyball had a good weekend. They announced that they're going on their first foreign tour in four years. They have not been overseas since the pandemic. They've won national championships since then. They've had a lot of success. They had a good weekend because the announcement came out that they're packing and going to Turkey, Slovenia, Italy, and Switzerland. They're taking the show on the road. UW Women's Volleyball had a good weekend. All right, Wyatt, who had a good weekend? I had a good weekend. This was the first time my parents came to visit Milwaukee uh, since I moved here just about a year ago uh, last week because I've I've been in Milwaukee for a year now. So it was the first time they got to see where I live. They took them all around the city. We We saw downtown. We saw the Riverwalk. Brady Street. We did the Lakefront Brewery tour. Oh, excellent. And I did actually bring them into the studio here, and I did a little scheme with um, uh, our one of our news people, Jessica. Yeah. Uh, I was off. I, I had time off to spend with my moms uh, over the weekend, but I uh, schemed with her that I would do a surprise newscast on Sunday morning so that my parents could see me do oh, the news cool. live. So they didn't know it was going to happen, and I had to time the tour of the studios right so that we would get... <laughs> In right at uh, right at ten fifty five, and I just hopped in the studio, told them I was on air, and they got to see me do it. Oh, that's fun! That's great stuff to show off our city. Greg, who had a good weekend? Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox. Oh, how about this? Moments ago, Liam Hendricks, free of cancer, jogs out of the bullpen. Less than five months. After being diagnosed what a moment stage four cancer diagnosis less than five months ago back on the mound over wow. the weekend for the Chicago White Sox didn't matter that he gave up a couple runs this was no. in Chicago and I know there's a pitch clock and there's things that hustle baseball along credit to the umpires and everybody involved the batter for just kind of letting him have his moment there for a little bit I mean it took a good couple minutes before he was able to deliver a pitch, as that's, you might expect. That's remarkable. Amazing story. Good stuff. Adam, who had a good weekend? The band Lovejoy, John. So I know, I'm sure you are <laughs> what? a... <laughs> what is that? Just hear me out. I'm sure, uh, of course, John, you are well into the Minecraft world, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, time. totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Well, there's a very popular Minecrafter by the name of uh, Wilbur. It's just his screen name, I guess you will. And he's the front man for a British indie pop group called Lovejoy. Now, they were originally scheduled this weekend to play The Backroom, which we've been hearing a lot about how they're going to be kind of moving down yeah, to the collectivo. East side. Correct. Well, that show sold out so fast, and as we know, it only holds about 300 people. They moved it down to the Riverside, just down the street from us here, and that sold out in record time. I happened to be downtown Saturday evening. I was actually doing something close by, and I went down Wisconsin Avenue. 
the line for that show wrapped all the way down the Riverwalk, if you can picture it, all the way to Wells, wrapping back around to Plankington. It was absolutely incredible. They gave him uh, a cheese head to commemorate his visit to Milwaukee, and it was just a spectacular performance. Great job all around. Lovejoy, great first U.S. show. All right. It is 414 at WTMJ. It appears that more and more Americans, and parents specifically, think that going to college just isn't as important as it used to be. Interesting research in the Wall Street Journal today. Yeah, so 15% enrollment is down in colleges. We just had Cardinal Stritch close, for goodness sake. Uh, So institutions of higher learning... Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting time. It's also very expensive to go to a four-year uni- four university. So there's an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal, John and Wyatt, that focuses in on the job market and how that's elevating the desire to just hop into the workforce, along with the rising cost of college, saying, well, why do I have to worry about that degree? Why do I have to plunk down hundred grand on, a, on an education when I can come out swinging here and maybe even, to some degree, name my own price and terms to enter the workforce? So it, it's, I don't know how long this will be a trend, but certainly the rising cost of college, uh, that doesn't really seem to be under control. And the way the job market is today, man, it is hot and you can find jobs. Jobs are available. So do you need that four-year degree or not? And it seems like there's been a little bit of a shift that it's more so 50-50 than it's ever been. And some of the latest findings by the Wall Street Journal indicate that 56% of American parents feel that the four-year degree is not necessary. It's not saying any schooling beyond high school is not necessary, but the four-year degree isn't necessary. And the biggest category of skeptics are those that have a college degree. Of course. Which I found fascinating. The people who did spend a lot of money for a degree. Let me toss out a couple other things. Um, In another recent survey, over the course of a career, the course of your career, If you work for 35 years, a person with a college degree on average in this massive survey made $2.8 million over the course of their career. That's average, $2.8 million. Those with only a high school diploma and maybe some other schooling made $1.6 million. So $1.2 million left on the table. That's a huge gap. Even if you take student loan debt into account, you're not going to have $1.2 million in student loan debt. Joe Biden recently said, Some good jobs without college are out there. You don't require a degree anymore, and you can earn $130,000 a year. The reality is that less than 1% of the job force without a college degree makes $130,000 a year. I'm just a believer in you got to do what's right for your family. It's a very personal situation, and not every kid is built for college, and I understand that, but I am a big believer in college and higher learning and what it gets you, and what it teaches you, in addition to the extra money you're going to make, what it teaches you about life. And I know, I'll say this a thousand times, it's not for everybody, but my girls are 30. And it was never a discussion about whether you're going to school, and that was from when they were little. We never ever had the discussion, right? I mean, it was just a uh, given. uh, One of your daughters and I went to the same school. We went to Syracuse University. And I, I, it's interesting, because I was thinking about it as you guys were talking about it. I also really had no other, I was always going to college. I, I did well in school and I was always going to go to a four-year school. I didn't know what I was going to do for a while. I decided to go to journalism school. I was lucky enough to go to one of the one of the great journalism schools in, in SU. And I, 
I don't think my path ends up here uh, with without college. I know there's a lot of interesting stuff, though, because for me, I, I grew up in San Francisco. If I had done what people are suggesting and just gone straight out of high school, try to get into the job market, I would never have left home because of the uh, that. That's just due to the uh, crazy cost of rent in San Francisco. So for me to live independently, I think for for me that was a that was what college was a huge part of was learning to live independently and in some place that isn't San Francisco. So comments helped shape my life. Now I, I have no reason to think that if I didn't go to college. I wouldn't have the same sort of values or things that my parents taught me or things that, you know, life lessons that I was able to learn. But I also wanted to be a college athlete, right? There was, there was no real avenue for me after high school aside of college for me to exact that dream. So that was all part of it. But Yeah, that wasn't really in the cards for me. It, uh, but I guess long story <laughs> short, the number of life lessons, I, I could not have imagined my life without college. It helped shape my adult life. I agree with you. It taught me a variety of things that that you can't really put a number on, but I also identify and understand what the challenges of wanting to go where you want to go and trying to figure out how you're going to pay for it. It stresses parents out to try and save a little bit. How much is too much? And what if you didn't get that grant? Can you go where you want to go? So I understand the challenges today that weren't around even as much, John, when I was going to college. And that was, right. you know, late 1990s because Oshkosh wasn't terribly expensive. It may have felt like it at the time, but today's dollars are much different. Well, and relatively speaking, Wyatt, you and one of my daughters both went to Syracuse. My daughter is, uh, I don't know, maybe six years younger than you, roughly. And when she went, it was like sixty-five grand a year. Now, she got help. She was very smart, and we were blessed. She had scholarships. So I we, also had scholarships. Yeah, so we didn't you. pay that. But if you paid when she went, if you paid full, which some people did, especially international students, it was sixty-five grand a year. So I understand. It is really painful. And it's not for everybody. And you do what you got to do. And for some people, an apprenticeship program and the, uh, something school. in the trades is the absolutely the Even right Even an move. associate's degree. My mom went to community college before uh, before going to a four-year, finishing her degree at a four-year school. She didn't really know what she wanted to do at the time. It was also, like Greg said, a, a place for her to uh, play her sport. And uh, it, wor- it worked out all right for her. My other mom went to a four-year school, went to law school, and also turned out all right. Those showing the least amount of confidence in the Wall Street Journal survey that you referenced are women. They are driving the decline in confidence. Confidence among women fell to 44%. That's 10 percentage points in three years. 44% believe that college is a good value proposition. 44%. Yeah, so there's your flip. You know, they were on the positive side of that, now on the other side of it. Yep. There's a lot 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 of thinking that needs to go on. We need to reform what we're charging at these schools. And let's talk about Syracuse again for a second. You're obviously intimately familiar with it. I'm familiar with it because that's where my money went. And they have an endowment, and they're a private school. And they need to find a way to make it more affordable. And if you're here in Wisconsin, you hear Wisconsinites complain all the time that if you live in the state, you are less likely to get financial aid to UW than if you live out of state. Both of our girls got accepted into Madison. Both of our girls took a pass on Madison because they got more money to go somewhere else, and they were near the top of their classes. We got to figure that out. Yeah, that was and that was a thing I encountered while looking at colleges. I didn't really. I looked at some in California, but I was looking a lot out of state because I wanted to go explore and see new things. And there were out of state schools that just they weren't. They ended up not being the right choice for me, but they were they were throwing money at me in part because I was coming from out of state. So let me ask you this, though, John: Syracuse versus Ohio State, private. Yeah. Private yep. university versus public university. Yep. Was there a big difference 
with the money or grants or opportunities to kind of whittle down that cost at a private school versus public? It ended up being about the same. So when my girl was going to Syracuse, if you paid everything, it was sixty-five grand at Ohio State. When she went, if you paid everything, it was forty-five grand. The help they got, though, at Syracuse, they offer a lot more help. At Madison, when my girl went, it was about twenty-five. So twenty-five, forty-five, sixty-five. They ended up paying less money to go to Ohio State and Syracuse. They would have paid to go to Wisconsin. Hmm. That is because exactly, Wisconsin offered less help. And that's I have sad. a friend uh, who picked Syracuse over Ohio State in part exactly because of what John described, because it was cheaper to go to Syracuse once all yeah. the help was calculated. It's, it's, it's remarkable. we got to get that figured out in Wisconsin. If we want the brightest kids to stay here and then launch their careers here. We've got to make it more affordable. All the aid shouldn't go to kids from the other 50 states because we want to make sure we have a diverse bunch of people here take care of the students who were born and raised in our state i think i'm still on the waiting list by the way at madison <laughs> got a letter a couple well, weeks your, ago your, your hair looks good now you're you're more likely to get <laughs> got in. that going for me dr john raymond is the president and ceo of the medical college of wisconsin and he is with us in the studio hello dr raymond good afternoon john thank you so much for being here we always appreciate it when you stop by thank you I want to ask you about allergies. I hear a lot of people around the office talking about allergies. Is it the peak of allergy season? Are we past it? Are there different allergies? When you have a discussion about allergies, where do you go? Yeah, good question. Allergies really are prolonged uh, during the year. So the season starts in the spring and goes through the autumn. Um, And we're really not at the the peak of, quote, unquote, the allergy season. Um, But this is the time of year when tree pollen is around. Um, next month or in June, it's going to probably be more grass pollens. Later in the summer, ragweed, and then it, then in the fall, uh, you might get some leaf mold. So all <laughs> so of those a lot. All of those can cause the symptoms of allergic seasonal rhinitis, which basically means inflammation of the nose. Things we know: itchy eyes, runny nose, congestion, sneezing, and wheezing. So when I was a boy, I had hay fever, and I remember I was always told, stay away from the plants that have the yellow the yellow stalks, and that seemed to aggravate my hay fever if I was out in the field. As I got older, I outgrew it, and it completely went away. Is that common? Um, it can happen for sure. And, um, you know, when I moved here, I had some real problems with um, grass allergies, and those have gone away. You can become desensitized to your allergies, but other people can develop new hay fever symptoms as they get older. So it's, it really depends on the individual. Can you treat allergies and really make them subside, or is it just more masking the symptoms? I know this is a generalization because they're not all the same, but what are the common approaches to relieving? Yeah, well, first of all, prevention is important. So simple things like um, keeping the windows closed, turning your air conditioning on, um, not hanging clothes out to line dry uh, because then you're bringing the allergen yeah. into the house, taking your clothes off, and, and maybe not bringing your shoes in the house when you've been out exposed to, to the pollen's help. But certainly nasal steroids can help, um, and you can manage symptoms with antihistamines as well. Um, but the prevention is probably the most important thing that you can do. Or move to northern Canada <laughs> where nothing grows. <laughs> right. right. That, that's the key. Nothing grows because pretty much anywhere you go, if there are plants growing, you might have hay fever. Hey, Dr. Raymond, I see studies all the time about BMI or body mass index, and I'm so quick to dismiss those studies because I don't feel like BMI takes into account your body composition. Doing a BMI would appear that I'm overweight. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm healthy. Why is BMI still a thing in the medical world, and how much stock do you put into it? 
Yeah, a really great question. So body mass index is just a crude measure of body fat based on your height and your weight. And uh, for math majors out there, the formula is weight divided by the square root of your height. And basically that's useful for population-based studies, but it's not good for individuals because if you have a, a large frame or you're muscular, um, you can overestimate the body mass index because bones and muscle are heavier than fat are. Um, and then people that are older that maybe lose muscle mass, you can actually underestimate the possible fat deposits they have. So for individuals, there may be better measurements. So for example, your waist circumference is a good measure. Um, for men, anything over 40 is typically associated with a higher risk. You have more visceral fat. Or um, you can actually do a ratio of your um, waist circumference to your height. So those would be better measures for the individual. And yes, you can do various um, simple methods of measuring body fat that they can do in any gym, basically, to really get an accurate measure of your body fat. And you definitely do not look like somebody who's overweight. Yeah, right. no, yeah exactly. <laughs> You're like the fittest guy yeah, I know, it's seriously. Just, it, it just like it takes athletes and just puts them in a different category. It does. Like, well, it doesn't it does. really. Yeah, Bo Especially Jackson's, after you lost a few pounds on, up with on the, the hair. Dome. Right, yeah. Bo Jackson's been <laughs> obese for his entire life. I find that hard to believe. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I want to ask you about a little-known and underappreciated virus that people are talking about that spiked this spring. It came after RSV and influenza and COVID-19, or I should say, as they died down. Uh, what can you tell us about, how do you pronounce this, metanumovirus? Yeah, human metanumovirus, very good. Or HMPV is a respiratory virus that causes symptoms that are similar to what you get from the flu or mild case of COVID-19 or RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. Um those would include runny nose, sore throat, fever, cough, and infections of your lungs and bronchioles. Um, cases have spiked here in the spring, especially in kids and seniors, and those are the most vulnerable populations to human metapneumovirus. Um, there's high-quality tests available, so you can actually diagnose this, but typically not over-the-counter or in a physician's office. It would need to be in a hospital or in an emergency department. Really interesting. This may be the second most common cause of respiratory illnesses oh. um, that we, and it's been around for at least fifty years, um, but it really isn't that that well known. And you add up the big four, and we've talked about this. Maybe you've had a triple demic. Yep. Maybe this would be a quadruple demic. Um, when you add up those four viruses, they only cause about fifty percent of respiratory wow. disease. Wow, and so. 50% are really unknown causes, so we still have a lot to learn about respiratory viruses. Wow, that's amazing. You add up the big ones, and it's still only 50%. It's still only 50%. Are any of the big four more contagious than the others? Well, I think right now COVID-19 is, is still, is still extremely contagious. contagious, and each iteration of the virus, each variant makes it more and more contagious. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that I found very encouraging, but I think I'm reading too much into it. And that's a study that found that cocoa flavanols may boost memory, but I'm afraid this doesn't mean eat a lot more chocolate. What did the what did the study find? Um, yeah, well, first of all, it doesn't mean eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> Bummer. But, well, I'll explain why at the end. <laughs> Basically, cocoa flavonoids are antioxidant compounds that give fruits and vegetables their bright colors, and they're particularly highly concentrated in green tea berries, apples, and cocoa, as you pointed out. Uh, there's a recent study that showed that flavanols were more likely to um, 
low flavanols in your diet were more likely mm-hmm. to cause age-related um, mental decline. And they showed in those individuals that had poor diets, not enriched in flavanols, if they gave them a, a pill with 500 milligrams of flavanols every day, that they had modest improvements in their uh, ability to think and recall uh, on memory. And again, it was mild. Uh, this isn't um, something that would be unexpected because population-based studies have shown a correlation between low flavanol levels and cognition later in life. Um, now, to get to chocolates, yes, yes. even though if you take a, fl- a flavanol pill, there's mild improvement, the problem <laughs> with chocolates is they do have good cocoa, but they've also got butter, fat, yep. um, calories, yep. sugars, and those would offset any benefits that you might have from from the flavanols. Yeah, because if you go with just cocoa, it's not. it doesn't taste like the chocolate we consume in a Hershey bar. Um, it, right. It's not that's chocolate right. like we're used to. But what I'm hearing is uh, an apple a day does, in fact, keep the doctor away. It could, and that's always a good thing. I was reflecting, Dr. Raymond, as you were getting ready to come in here today, that we started this segment with you almost three years ago, and it was all focused on COVID. I think the name of the segment may have had COVID in the title, and it's such a treat for us that you continue to come in here, and we can broaden the segment out and talk about things in every aspect of mental health, physical health, prevention, what's going on in the world and uh, we're in such a better place than we were three years ago. And, man, we don't take that for granted. Thank you for doing the segment. Yeah, we sure are in a better place. And, again, I, I feel privileged to be able to come in here and, and hang out with you guys. I love to end it with good news of the week. So what do you got for us this yeah, week? Yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and you know I, I tend to do that. So <laughs> I, I want to talk about Memorial Day, even um, though we celebrated it over the weekend. Originally, it was celebrated between 1868 and 1970 on May 30th, which is today. Um, So this is my last call out to the people that have served our country to say thank you. That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. I didn't know that. You learn learn something every time you're in here. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much. Thanks, John.